Happy Mom Day! Welcome to Mom Your Business, the podcast. I am your host, Tanya T. Morris, CEO, Chief Excitement Officer, and founder of Mom Your Business, where our mission is simply to support mompreneurs by connecting them to resources and opportunities that lead to success in business and in life. I'm so excited to have you listening to our show today. There are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to, but you chose Mom Your Business. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also check us out on all social media platforms, Mom Your Business on Facebook and Instagram. You can also check us out on our website, mommyourbusiness.org, and learn more about the work that I do as an author, speaker, and mentor at mommyourbusiness.com. So thanks again for tuning in. We have a great show lined up for you today. Thank you, and you're listening to Mom Your Business, the podcast. Welcome to Mom Your Business, the podcast. Um, Today's episode is about family. Um, How many of us can honestly say as entrepreneurs that we made it without the support and sacrifices of our family. I don't believe many entrepreneurs can honestly say that. Not many really could say, you know, I did it all on my own. I didn't have the support of my family. Um, I didn't have the support of my friends. I'm sure there's some that might feel that way. Um, but personally, I know I could. Um, The times when I've needed money to fund a project or pay a bill or or co-sign for a loan um, or pay for an event or whatever the case may be, my mom, my aunt, my uncles um, made it happen for me. Um, Family business is about growth and support and sacrifices and even those of us that are mompreneurs, the time that we've spent away from our children um, is a sacrifice. And so, um, so many businesses start because of family, um, start as a result of the support and the sacrifices that we make for our families, but also that our families make to support us. So many businesses grow because of the family. Uh, Studies show that more than two-thirds of all companies in the world are family-owned. That's huge. That tells you something. So we really want to talk about family business. And so today, our guest today knows all about family business and what it takes to run a business as a family and be successful. She is too accomplished for me to read her entire bio Um, I first read Melissa's story about a year ago, and I was really blown away um, at at her accomplishments. So it is my pleasure to welcome mother, founder, CEO of WM Stone Enterprises, founder and CEO of Contra Music Group Incorporated. And if that wasn't enough, she is the first African-American woman to solely own a Camping World Truck Series and a development racing team in NASCAR's Wheeling All-American Series. Stay tuned for my interview with entrepreneur, mompreneur, CEO, Melissa Harville LeBron. Pleasure to welcome mother, founder, and CEO 
of WM Stone Enterprises, founder and CEO of Cultra Music Group. And, and the, how do you say it? Cultra? Cultra. Cultra. Uh, and the first African-American woman to solely own a Camping World Truck Series and developmental racing team in NASCAR's Wheeling All-American Series. Melissa Harville LeBron, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. Um, so, again, thank you so much. I, I really want to start. Your your bio was really too much for me to read the whole thing. I wouldn't do your compliments, uh, accomplishments justice for to read it. So can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and how you really got to, to where you are today? Oh, boy, it's been a long journey. Um, my background started in the entertainment industry, um, being an artist, and then um, I really was not pleased with that process. And I ended up uh, landing a job at a music label working for the vice president of promotion and publicity at Epic. And that job was interesting, but it still was not fulfilling. And yes. I felt that I needed stability, and I went to New York City Department of Corrections. However, I've always been very, very active and involved with producing tours, artist management, artist development um, while I was working for New York City Department of Corrections. And once I retired, I went back to it full time. And I had received a phone call from a gentleman I had worked on a few projects with him that held me in high regard, and he asked me to come down to Florida and work on an artist development deal for a new artist that he was looking at. I did not know that that new artist was an aspiring driver in NASCAR. Um, they were having some issues with marketing and with NASCAR and asked me, um, you know, did I have any input on it? So I developed a 15-page marketing plan, which um, they loved it, and they – wanted me to present it during the meeting that they were having with NASCAR. I did not know that that meeting was with NASCAR's um, upper management. So the president of diversity was there, their head legal counsel was there, and the vice president of operations for NASCAR was there. So when I say you make friends, you know, straight at the top, that was one of those meetings. Right. Um, they moved the marketing plan um, because I laid it out where – show the value of this driver, show the impact that this driver could have on on their already established industry, and show how to sustain this driver and the relationship that would be obtained with pop culture. And they loved the marketing plan, but they did not like the driver. So subsequently, oh. we weren't able to continue with the driver. Um, but they stayed on me like, okay, you need a driver for this amazing plan that you've written. And I said, well, I don't have any. I did not know, you know, the whole time that I was working on this project, my two sons, Eric and Nico, were home just consuming everything that there was about NASCAR. My son, Nico, which is my youngest, he had played Pop Warner football, and he was in high school being scouted as a freshman. And he sustained a tear to his ACL, the one and only time in his entire football career that he had ever been injured was a preseason camp, and he he wore the wrong cleats, and he popped his ACL, and he never yeah. trusted the knee again. 
So yeah. when I saw him, like, I saw him, like, so excited about the sport, you know, how do you not um, nourish that? You know, how do you not, you know, feed into that and pour into it? And, you know, the first time I'd seen him, like, pick up his fears about anything pertaining to anything because he was deathly depressed about, you know, having torn an Nothing. ACL. Yeah. And then my son, Eric, Eric had sustained a level three concussion. He's He and Aniko both are extreme sport enthusiasts, but Eric is, like, really over the top with it. And Eric had sustained a, a level three concussion in a snowboarding accident. So he, too, was home, you know, kind of recovering, but I never saw that spark in him. So when I saw it, you know, they're they're very close in age and they're extremely competitive. So when they were both like, Ma, did you know? Ma, did you know? It's like every day I would come home and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of hearing about NASCAR. What now? <laughs> what game do you want me to buy now? I come home and they've ordered steering wheels. I come home and they've got foot pedals. I come home and they've got new video games. Then I come home and they have put together a type of simulator seat. You know, right. so we had gotten invited to a NASCAR experience. So I said, you know what, this is my opportunity to show them that there's more to the sport than sitting in the comfort of your home and playing on these video games. Like, it's a dangerous sport. And I got them down there, and they drove exceptionally well. I, I literally had bumped into a NASCAR official because I'm the doting mom. I got the video camera and the cell phone, and I'm running back and forth <laughs> trying to get as much footage of them as I possibly can. And I tripped, literally, I tripped into a NASCAR official that was there giving, I guess he was doing a tour or something. And he was a, a little condescending because I don't look the, I didn't look the landscape, you know, so he wanted to know what I was doing. And I, I was telling him about my sons and, you know, how we got involved in NASCAR. And my sons had finished their run and they came upstairs with their, their um, certificate and they were over the moon, of course, because they had driven 150 miles an hour. So the guy was like, you know, he was like, um, he was like, yeah, that's great. He was like, you know, for your first time behind a wheel. He was like, but, you know, this is really for entertainment purposes. So he was a little condescending, but I, I didn't really know how to take him. And, um, you know, they were like, no, this is what we want to do. So my son starts, they both start rattling off stats and this and that. And the gentleman was like, he's like, okay, you guys have done your homework. He goes, um, he said, you know, I have a friend of mine, a team owner. He's going to be conducting a testing here tomorrow. He goes, I want to, I want to introduce you guys. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, okay, how much is this going to cost me? You know, take, take the doty mom for a ride. <laughs> See how much money. Right, 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 right. Her, you know, so he goes, he said, you know, this is really for entertainment purposes, but we'll put you in a real testing environment and see if you can, if you could make the cut. You know, so of course they were over the moon about that opportunity. So the next morning we show up bright and early. The, the gentleman gave them a shot and they drove 188, 186 miles an hour. And when I tell you, like, it's one thing for them to be your children, but it's another thing to see that type of skill that you never knew that they possessed. And the gentleman ended up calling me, the one that made the introduction for me. He calls me, he goes, little lady, you might be on to something here. And we came back to New York. And, you know, my son said this is really what they wanted to do. And I said, all right, let's put it together. And then it was about, you know, creating the foundation for the business, you know, getting it um, a name, you know, getting it incorporated, um, everything. I did the the logo design myself sitting at my dining room table. 
And right. we've been open and running ever since, and it's been an incredible ride, incredible opportunity. So, so tell me what it was about that marketing plan that really stood out. I, you know, because I think you know, a lot of times small businesses we we don't really see the fullness of of marketing on every level, especially in this social media age. What was it about that marketing plan um, that you think really stood out that attracted the, the, the gentleman from NASCAR to say, hey, I think you need to, you know, continue to pursue this even without that artist? I think that it was more so that my two sons are a relatable image. They are in okay. that demographic that they're looking to pull in. Which okay. was at the time, um, I would say about 18 to 21. And what, what trend, what, what relates to them? So you have music and fashion. No one, mm-hmm. I don't think out of the companies that they had hired, and they told me they've hired a few, had they ever related music and fashion, that era of social media and just how important social media really is to our young adults and our children. So right. they were always looking at it as the other, what I've had access to. It's always been about, okay, we need to bring in an African-American demographic. Okay, mm-hmm. what's going to attract them? Well, if we have a driver that attracts them, then you'll get, you know, you'll get a 20% increase in your fan attendance. But it never translated, and it never materialized for them. Mm. My approach was you have to make it sexy, exciting, they have yep. to be a relatable image, marketable, and they have yeah. to be up on current time. You have to bridge that gap of um, not social media, pop culture. You have to bridge yes. the gap of pop culture. That's what is driving our fashion, our music, products, yeah. yep. electronics. That is the key. And when you capture pop culture, it's going. It has a life of its own. It's going to take off on its own. And so, and Melissa, do you think that – I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say that's the one component that they kept coming up short on. They kept coming up short on. And, and that is so key, what you're saying, is when you tap into that element, do you think that you you really grab that as from your experience in the entertainment industry? Definitely, because that's how yeah. you break the artist. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how you build the brand, Right. In entertainment, it's it's all about building the brand, and so you know that's how you that's how you build that brand, and that and that brand has to be relatable and connect to that audience that's that's ready to buy. Right, you have you need you need just speaking about a driver, you need a driver that is listening to that walks the walk and talks the talk, basically of Mm. The demographics that you want to pull in, the client, the the fan base that you want to pull in, they have to be able to communicate to them, to be able to relate to them, to be able to have dialect with them that is sustainable. It can't just be a publicity stunt, or you know, you have somebody that does not know the culture, does not know who the music artists are, or what what the trend is in clothing, or what the new hashtag is, because that is so important now as well. So it has right. to be a relatable image. And also, with my son being African-American and Latino, you're capturing two markets. Yeah, capturing two markets, exactly. And so mm-hmm. I, I read in your bio that your grandmother was an entrepreneur, that your father yes. influenced mm-hmm. you as well. So how important was it 
um, for you to include the family. I understand how you how you got started, but how impactful was those were those things on for you in building a family business? Growing up, my grandmother was the kind, and I know a lot of people say this about their their elders, but my grandmother was the kindest. Um, she was devoted to serving. Um, she, you never knew how much my grandmother was worth because she kept her door open to anybody that would knock on her door. She had an open door policy for them. I don't care if they were a hobo, the corner, you know, you know, worker, whatever it was. If you were in need, my grandmother made it a point because she came from the South and she was a biracial child that was pushed out of her community because of the color mm. of her skin. And she mm. was able to come to New York. Her father raised her um, as a Caucasian child, but she mm. always knew that that's not where she belonged. Mm-hmm. And she came to New York, and she made it a point that she was going to help as many people as she could. And so the word, and my grandma only had six days of education. And when she passed mm. away, she owned 17 multifamily dwellings. The word, wow. I can't, if, if you wanted to get cracked, all you had to say to Ms. Willie Mae Stone is, I can't do something, and she's not right into you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she came, she came from Alabama, so, yeah. Yes. So you would have to hear, I can't. What do you mean, I can't? <laughs> you would get laid into. So Laid into. Up, right, laid into and laid out. <laughs> so you know growing up like that you know it was i never seen her not work and i never seen her not try to provide for her family and i never seen her turn her back or her face to somebody that was in need so that was Mm. it just is a part of my fabric that's the stock from which i come from so i've always tried to emulate my grandmother in the work that i do so, so what are you doing now as it relates to entertainment? Are you just doing the NASCAR stuff, or are you still like what are you doing with your radio, with your label, still, and the other I'm things? Still, still involved with my music label. I have reduced what I do now down to more just product placement. Um, a lot of soundtracks. Um, we really okay. aren't as artist based as I used to be with, you know, really with the development and things of that nature. Um, I will be going back to it because that is my love. But um, NASCAR kind of took over a life of its own. It's quite demanding. You know, the hunt for sponsorship. We're a self-financed team up to this point, and now okay. we're about to um, move up in class because the sponsorship is just really not there. The sport is not there for trucks because there's such a lack of fan participation and attendance with the truck series, um, you know, we need to bring some new life to it. So I'm almost forced to move up in class in order to keep the lights on. <laughs> so, so Melissa, um, you said that, which is something that I didn't know. So you, I, I mean, I know that NASCAR is really a, it is really heavily sponsor driven. Is that correct? That is right. Yes, it is. Yeah. And so it's heavily sponsored. And you guys are in the truck series and you're saying it's not, is it that it's not as popular as the car series, or what is it? Did, did, not, in it? <laughs> not in the least. For us, um, going up in class is really to, to obtain the sponsorship because okay. it takes money to, to really move 
to really bring to fruition um, some of the ideas that I have for the truck series. And even okay. for Xfinity, it's going to take actually more resources than I have. So I'm almost forced to go up in class to obtain that level of support so that I can say, okay, you know what, when you sponsor my team, you're not only sponsoring just an Xfinity race or a possible cup race, you're also getting getting your logo and that that um, exposure in the truck series as well so that I can kind of, you know, move, push that envelope, move the dial on that as well. Um, but it seemed like that was the only way that that was going to happen because every time you look at a truck series race, you know, you don't see the fan participation and attendance that you see in Xfinity and Cup Series. So my sponsors, my potential sponsors would be like, well, I don't see the value of my ROI, the exposure. Call me when mm. you get into the car. <laughs> so okay. to say, hey, okay, you know, I'll take my last little pennies and, and jump into cars and let's see if you guys show up then. So, yeah, we have some things that we're planning. Um kind of by force, but um, I'm looking forward right. to the challenge. And so what's what's coming up down the pike? Are there races? Like, how often do you guys race? Um, and when you deal with sponsors and their boards, and it takes, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than you would like. Um, yeah. The stock market does have a big influence on this, unfortunately. Um, really? When you're dealing with, with, yeah, when you're dealing with private you know, private business owners, and they're looking mm-hmm. at their, their yeah, they're looking at their, their balance sheets, and, you know, they've taken a hit in the stock market. I'm, I always go, okay, <laughs> that's going to be another four or five months before we find another sponsor. Um, it has a lot to do with it. it. It really does have an effect on it. So right now we're in legal with a corporation, so that's a good sign. Um, our our proposal and their offer has moved to the legal division. So our lawyers are speaking. So I'm praying every single day that, you know, we can put this together. So I have to ask you this. I would be, I would be misgiving if I didn't talk to me about the, the challenges you all face being African American in this obviously white male dominated industry. To be honest with you, I have not had any, Major issues, I okay. get a lot of price gouging. Okay. Um, always, always somebody, it will hike the price up about 30% more. They do not mm. expect me to be as knowledgeable in the industry as I am. I make mm. it a point then in my craft. So, you know, the moment that they, oh, you know, Melissa, this is going to run you about 67000 I'm like, really? Well, so-and-so has it listed for twenty. Oh, no, you can't trust their, you know, I get a lot of that. So they will give me a price that sometimes double the amount. I have ran into that a lot. But I will say NASCAR, the industry, the corporation has been very supportive of us. Okay. Um, I'm independent. I'm not in anybody's pocket at all. And that's probably why it takes so long. It's okay. What they don't what they don't expect from me is the fact that I have patience and God created this path for us and I let him work it out. I let him work That's it right. out because what he's been able to do in my life nobody could have done in my life. You know, yes. so I just I hold on to my faith and we keep pushing. The fact that we're not teamed up with some other corporation up underneath their umbrella 
people respect that more and they're like that's got to be hard I'm like yeah it's hard it is hard it's very difficult you know it's a very expensive sport but it's a very lucrative sport and mm-hmm. yes you know breaking and stealing of course I've created enemies I was so happy when I got my first hate article I didn't know what to do I was like oh, <laughs> you was like yes I got a hater that's your problem I know I'm on the right path You know, I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next question was talk about the opportunities in this industry that um, that African-Americans are really not aware of. Speak to that a little oh, bit more. They're, they're numerous, numerous. I mean, from fabricators, a, a successful NASCAR team employs about 65 people. Mm. So you have you have fabricators, you have graphic designers, you have legal, you have just let's say outside the boxes, fabricators, you have engine tuners, you have um, people that apply the rats, you know, body people, um, people that deal with, it, it, there's a position just for maintaining the fuel in the car, you know, so there's a, there is a wealth of, of employment opportunities within one team that our mm. culture has, I won't say they haven't had access to it, but I don't think that they feel comfortable in going for employment in that industry. There are schools mm. that will get you prepared for a NASCAR science, motorsport science. Mm. And oh. oh, yeah, there are colleges. Our HBCUs, they, um, they have a couple of programs, not a lot, but, you know, we're hoping to change that. But yeah, and and the pay scales are phenomenal as well. As a family, what has this experience been like for you and that relationship with your sons? Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. Like my babies, they are they watch their mom grind for them. You know, I was mm. uh, I got divorced when my my children were young, and you know, I never allowed it to be that they missed out on anything because I didn't stay married. So yes. they were not allowed to use that as a crutch. And every time they got in trouble, like, well, my dad, you divorced my dad. No, no. So having this relationship and me telling them, I'm like, okay, because that's what E2 stands for. It stands for Eric and Anito. Um, bringing it to fruition and seeing that look like, wow, my mom did this for us. Like, one thing about my mom, and my mom tells you she's going to do it, she's going to do it, <laughs> do it exactly right. well, you know. And right. I tell her, I said, you put the hard work in. Don't look for the immediate because it's not going to come and you're not going to appreciate it. 
when you got to grind for it, and I mean grind for it, where it's tooth and nail, you know, brick and mortar, you're going to appreciate it more. That's you know, right. they get That's on right. you now like, Mom, we're ready, we're ready to get in the car. I'm like, you're not ready to get in the car. I said, because the one thing you have not had to deal with is real racism. When you're in the South, that is a whole different picture. Whole different picture. You know, and I personally, as a mother, because I'm still their mom, I don't feel that that they're ready for that exposure yet. I don't feel like they can deal with it because they've never had to deal with it before. Yeah. So they yeah. get mad when at you, me. When you were, like, yeah, when you raise in the North, it's different. Like, right, it's extremely different. Yeah. Here it's undercover. Down there, it's right in your face. Oh yeah, you know, it's I, right in your face. When I went to I went to Talladega and I saw these flags outside of the racetrack, and I was like, "What is that?" And they're like, "Oh, those are Klan flags." I was like, "What?" <laughs> so yeah, I know, you know that's right. Take my time. I take my time. I respect that they do have their core fan base. I'm not looking to be a disruptor. I'm just looking to compete on the same yeah. level. Yeah. That's it. I didn't get in this to. You know, to shake up their industry. I just wanted to race. I wanted to give my boys an opportunity because this is what they said they wanted to do. It took on a life, a whole entire life of its own. We're getting ready to go out on a school tour. Um, I've dedicated two days of my week to going out with parent with Parents Against Bullying, which is a, a non-for-profit um, to speak out against bullying and the fact that our children are committing suicide at an alarming rate because they're being cyber bullied, they're being physically bullied, and there just does not the complaints seem to fall on deaf ears. So we want to teach the kids, give them some options so that they don't feel like the only way for them to stop somebody from bullying them is for them to take their own lives. Because our generation's dying out like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the charity that I work with is I Rise and Dream, which provides um, nutritional meals on the weekend and during school breaks for some of our children in in impoverished neighborhoods that mm. solely rely on eating at school as their primary source of wow. um, nourishment. So, wow. yeah, so wow. I'm looking excited to doing that work. And that work would have probably would have never came if, if it wasn't for my opportunities at NASCAR. Um, Melissa, tell me about, um, as we get ready to come to a close, some of your goals, you talked about stepping up in class. How far do you want to go in this thing, in this NASCAR thing? How far do you see you all going? Oh, we don't need to have a cup team. It's a matter of when will we have a cup team. And then we will, we're looking to do something. I have an opportunity in Indy and in F1. I have a driver that I'm working with now that is running Lamborghini Squadra in Europe. Nice. So we're looking to go as far in motorsports as God will bless us. That is awesome. That is awesome. I'm so hyped. Like, I'll see this. I'll see this. It's a six-hour in NASCAR. I need to talk to her. You know, being, you are a disruptor because you're going into an industry that is predominantly white male. So you are a disruptor and you are definitely going to be able to compete. And so I'm just really excited for that. So just, I know you said that there's a Delaware race. You know, when they write a check, we can jump in and be competitive because I refuse to be anything less than competitive. And yes. I know that we can run up there in the top 10, top 15 percent, then we'll jump in. So there's plenty, there's a number of races, Richmond, there, there's a few races that will come up before May. Um, oh. The reason why May is important because it gives people from the New York area an opportunity 
to come down and, you know, see us represent the state, represent the North. So, uh, so listen, tell our, tell our listeners, um, you know, how they can find you on on the Internet, your social media handles, how they can follow you, um, follow your journey. We are on all social media. You can find me at Melissa Harville LeBron, my personal page. You can find the team, E2 Northeast Motorsports, on Facebook, Instagram. I think we have Pinterest, pretty much everywhere. If you want to find us, you can find us. Um, we will, our website, our new website will be up, and it will have e-commerce on there. You can purchase T-shirts and sweatsuits and hats and, you know, come down and get invited to a couple of our private meet and greets. Um, you know, we always want to stay connected to our fan base and be supportive in our communities any way we can be. Awesome, awesome. Well, you definitely have a fan here. Uh, and mind your business and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to, to one of those meet and greets and coming down and just experiencing. Never been to a NASCAR race, so this may be my first opportunity to come oh, to one, so. Will be, will be <laughs> Once again, I'd like to thank Melissa Harville LeBron for coming on Mom Your Business, the podcast. What an amazing story she has and we're expecting great things from her. Listen, remember to um, check her out on Facebook and Instagram. The racing team's website is e the number two northeast motorsports dot com. Thank you again for listening to Mom Your Business, the podcast. Um, check us out on all social media platforms at Mom Your Business on Twitter. It is Mom Y R Business. We have some amazing events coming up. We'll be doing a live podcast on June the 23rd. Uh, so follow us for that. We're launching our new website, momyourbusiness.org, later on this week. Um, so just stay tuned with everything that we have going on. Thank you again. Continue to support Mom Your Business. Um, go to our website and click our donate button. Um, we need your help and we need your support. Continue to support Mom Your Business and each other, always and forever. Remember, now is the day, so enjoy it. Yesterday is over, so learn from it, and tomorrow is not promised, so pray about it. Thank you. We out. Keep it in check when you need that.